Today we have a special guest join us, a man who's been instrumental in winning eight mountain bike world championship titles for his various athletes. The coach to the stars, Mr. Alan Milway, and he's going to tell us about his famous day, 2014, where his athletes won the male and female world championship titles. Over to you, Alan Milway. So, Hafiel World Champs um, up in Norway, 2014, and I've been working with the team. I started in 2013. So, I started, uh, 2013 season was the first season with them, and there was obviously a lot of expectation coming in, and we'd started well. So, we'd won the first two races, Fort William Valdesol, men's and women's. GM Rach had won, you know, and G had an amazing season fight with Stevie Smith. Fast forward 2014, we're here at the World Champs and um, G's obviously there to win. And it was something that really stood out to me because of the, the intensity seemed that bit higher. I was there at World Championship events. Although you race under a GB jersey, there isn't really GB support. No, with all due respect no. to GB, they might help some of the juniors and they provide some mechanics, but it's, it's sort of left to the teams. And it's a bit of a funny one because I was there for the Affertons. I was paid to be there by the Affertons. And although I coached other riders and some other challenges there, I was trying to support them whilst I understand my role. So I was a little bit conflicted and I was coaching Manon at the time. So Manon and Rachel had been trading first and second place all year. Of course. And Manon was there with Saracen. Um, I was there to support her and Rach, but mainly Rach for the team. And obviously G. And th there's a few things that really stand out about that, like stand in my mind, especially looking back on it. And, and the first was the, um, the environment. So you're a long way away from the equator and it's cold. It's cold and it gets dark. So we were in these little huts and cabins that were a little way away from the race site. But as soon as the sun went down, it felt as though you were in winter. It was really cold. And it felt as though you were a long way away from home. So it's sort of, you sort of focused in a little bit more. Everything felt as though it was a bit more intense because you're only there for the race. Everything was really intense. Hathia was really quiet. I don't really remember any spectators. I'm sure there were, but my memory of it was that. And the track was something that I was starting to give feedback on the track back in the day. And I had an iPad. So we weren't doing it on the phones. We were doing it on the iPads and I was filming certain sections and we were overlaying and comparing sections and that was one of my roles there feedback you know different lines for different people try to compare them and try and give feedback now because I spent a lot of time on the hill I got to know David Vasquez very well now obviously you know David from the racing days and back then he was the technical delegate delegate for downhill yeah so his job was track safety track design and I I had experience at races. I've been around races for a long time, but this really showed me how inexperienced I was and how much I had to learn. I was on the track and one of the corners came round a piste, came through a piste, and it ended up going across like a manhole cover. For whatever reason, it was going across a manhole cover. And a lot of riders were slipping on it. It was underneath gravel to start with, and then it sort of got washed and got cleaned and got cleared out. And I remember pointing this out to David because I was on that corner for ages and David comes down. I said, look, do we really have to go over that? If you change the track marking to here, yeah. 
we'd miss out. I think it'd be better for the riders. And David thought about it and pondered it and said, that's a good idea, Alan. I like that. We'll do it. Okay. And all of a sudden, I'm validated, aren't I? <laughs> well, hey. he said, we're going to change the Hey. Track. But I'm like, hey, this is cool. So he did that. And I thought to myself, hey, I can be an influence here. I can yeah. help. Yeah. Fast forward a little bit of time. It might be the next day. And there was a section on the track. The track started with some big jumps. And then it went into the trees and down a rock garden. Now, this rock garden was really rough. And you had a middle line that 90% of the riders were going through. And you had a line that G was doing. And G was coming down to the left. And then he was jumping all the way across this horrible rock section and landing on like yeah on like a two inch section of the track to get better exit speed now i was watching this section and he kept clipping this pad that was on a tree and he kept just clipping this pad and i was like bloody hell that's tight and one time i was watching i was actually standing behind the pad and what they'd done is the pad was sitting away from the tree so part of it was covering the tree part of it was overhanging and they actually had for all intents and purposes a pallet a wooden pallet yeah and the pallet was butted right up to the edge of the pad and there was me thinking that's a stupid idea yeah because if g catches that pad and there's no pallet there's a little bit of give yeah sure it buys him that little bit of safety and i i pondered it and i thought this is crazy there was basically G and maybe one or two other guys doing this risky line. And I thought, this is super risky and I'm worried about G hurting himself. So, well, especially when a pad causes an incident. That, this is it. Like this is the thing. I'm like, oh, it's counterintuitive. Yeah. So I see David. David's up there. David, I've got you're this idea. I'm your yeah. best mate. I've yeah. got this idea. <laughs> I think, why don't you trim the pallet away? Yeah. The pad stays where it is. Yeah. You don't move the pallet. But if G catches that handlebar against the pad, it will give. Yeah. Buys them a bit on safety. If it's okay, that's a good good idea. I'm going to do that. So there's me. You're wasted here. Well, here we go. Yeah, I'm going to do track design. So my, my day carries on and I think I've had a positive influence on the races. I think I've done a good job on the hill and I think I've helped the safety. I go back to the house for dinner. Brownie, the team director, manager, sat at the table. G sat next to him. I sit down table's full G is furious he's absolutely furious and they're having this big in-depth conversation I've come in a little bit late and I said what's going on effing Vasquez you'd never believe what Vasquez has done right he's cut the pallet away from that um, pad now everyone's going to do that line now it. <laughs> now it makes that line easier and there's me all of a sudden, I feel myself filling up with redness. You know when you're like, yeah, oh, right. shit. This is, yeah. What do I do? Now, listeners, what do you reckon? Do you own So, I keep my mouth shut. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to text Vasquez right now. I'm going to tell him what I think of him. I'm going to yeah. tell him what I think yeah. of him. He texts Vasquez, and I'm thinking, you know what? I've not admitted to this. Vasquez, obviously, is going to say, well, your bloody coach has just told me to cut the pack. yeah. yeah. And I'm just sitting there going, I want the world to swallow me up. I want the ground to swallow me up. And um, he didn't. Right. Vasquez said, I thought it was the right thing to do. That's what I've done. Right. 
And this conversation was boiling up. I felt uncomfortable. I didn't have, at that point, my relationship with G was like, I didn't feel as I could fully speak my mind and couldn't fully say, hey, I stand up, put my hands up. This is what I did wrong. Sure. I thought I'm out of a job. I honestly thought, this is my job done now. Right, okay. I'm out of a job here. I'm trying to butt in. I don't know my job. What are you doing? So I remember leaving, phoning my wife and just being like, what have I done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, I'm trying to help I've yeah. got myself in the right pickle and I was in the right fluster didn't sleep very well that night it's so funny I think a lot of people in our sport would uh, would attest to they've had moments in their career racers mechanics managers yeah. coaches where you phoned your other half yeah. your partner with this situation of like what do I do this has happened yeah. what do I do and I was and Sue's amazing super supportive really pragmatic and was like look this is the situation you find yourself in. Doesn't look as though you're going to get thrown under the bus. It's not the end of the world. You've got a race to focus on. Let's get on with it. Okay. So that sort of set me up for the you know next day. And I made sure I did everything right. I tried to do everything I possibly could. But it really gave me this insight into thinking how little I understood about elite athletes and how far away my... Um, psyche my psychology my approach was to that winning mentality right because i thought with a genuinely hand on heart i was doing the best thing yeah, yeah. but i was doing the best thing for everyone and that's the that's the problem yeah g said look i am willing to risk he was at that dinner table i am willing to risk breaking an arm to get a fraction of an advantage on these people yeah and i want it to be a huge risk to do this yeah if that palette is cut away, it gives people that bit of wriggle room to try it, to know there's a bit of room for error. Yeah, yeah. And he just didn't want it. And so the next day was race day and I was on the hill feeling back. And I remember with Rach, I was feeling back on a line through the rocks and she was struggling to maintain a position. And we sort of showed that I tried to reinforce that she was strong. She could hold on to the bike. She needed to maintain that central position on the bike and not get thrown forward. That's where she'd do her business. And I was also trying to feed back to Manon that she was doing everything she could. And just before racing, the way that racing was back then, there was a bigger gap. So you had this first part of the day where they practiced and you went up the hill and you tried to, any last minute changes and all the rest of it. And then it was all about structuring. So it was like, do they go back to the house for a bit? Where do they have their food? When's their warm-up start? When do they need to leave to get to the top of the hill? And all the rest of it. And so we were working through this. And there was still this sort of rumbling that Vasquez hadn't done his job. And they were really, you know, I really felt probably I was oversensitive to it. But I thought, you know what? This guy's getting a bad rep here. But he sort of stood up for me. And, you know, yeah, yeah, essentially yeah. stood up for me. And he's not throwing me under the bus. And then... Um, a lot of my friends were messaging me because they're all out on a group ride. And it was a really weird thing because the my reflection on that day was, I'd prefer to be anywhere else than this. Right. I was in, everyone wants to be in my position. Right. All my friends were like, best job in the world. Yeah. You're at the world champs, wish we were there. We're out riding around Pease Lake. And all I'm thinking is, guys, you have no idea the pressure here. I feel as I've made a right horse up of it. The expectation is to win. I've potentially lost G an advantage that he'd had over everyone. So that went on and 
if we sort of fast forward, that the unbelievable outcome for the whole lot was G was in the hot seat. And I was thinking, you know, we could win this. And Bryson comes round the corner. And as is quite famous now, he, from what I understand, in practice, this final bridge jump, Josh was just sort of almost seat bouncing and sort of whipping and having a really good time for the style of it. But when he came on his race run, his approach was completely different. Mm -hmm. So he hit the corner before it way harder, pedaled a lot faster, and he basically just sent the jump to the moon. Just absolutely went miles. And he landed on his foot and just shattered his ankle. And he comes across the finish line. It was a really weird situation because he comes across the finish line and PT and... I think Kathy Sester was there and yes, a lot of people yeah. sort of run to Josh. They all sort of run to him, pick him up, lift yeah. him up. And I'm like, shit, do Josh, do we not, what, what do we what do? do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a really awkward situation. And then I'm sat there going, hang on a second, Manon's just won. Yeah, As, yeah. Like she'd won that the women's. Moment. And you start to build this picture up of actually it's all come good. Yeah, like yeah. from my point of yeah, view yeah. and from my athlete's point of view. But the, there was a little bit of conflict because Rachel comes second. Yeah. And it was really close. Was it? Okay. Super close. And it was a very f- interesting thing because Manon had just edged out Rach and I was conflicted with that because in theory, I was there to support Rach primarily on the track. Sure. But I'd been working with Manon previous to working with Rach. I had a okay. great working relationship with her. Yeah. She was a completely different engine and character. Yeah. So I, I tried to explain to both of them, look, the same thing ain't going to work for both of you. No. It's just the best thing in the world because I can't um, undermine either one of you because if I tell Rach to do something, it won't work for Manon. If I tell yeah. Manon to do something, it won't work for Rach. Yeah, our secret's here. Don't worry. Exactly. Because their secret's there. Their secret's there. It's, it's, very it's completely yeah. polarised. Yeah. But I think what's funny is when we were talking previously about sort of a career highlight, you'd say that's a career highlight and when you look back on it, it's a career highlight. But when you actually go through it, it was an incredibly stressful day. I thought I'd made a right hash up of it. I thought I'd lost my job. And I was like, am I really cut out for this? So it's a very interesting thing to get to that outcome where people, you know, we talked about earlier, people see that headline. And I could have bragged all over the internet. Look at this one, one, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't want to do that because I thought all I wanted to do sit down have a cup of tea, tea. phone my wife and go I you won't won't believe what's just you happened will here. not believe what's just <laughs> happened here I think the big question everyone wants to know did, did anyone else take the line G was on I yeah well I don't think it opened up the line it didn't okay I, not in my memory so you're safe I think I'm safe G, he was trying yeah. his best yeah he, and if G listens to this it'll be the first thinking, time he realises he, he was only thinking of you he wasn't he wasn't considering anyone else it was your safety first yeah. and foremost. But it, it did, it was a real formative experience because it made me realise how little I understood about an elite athlete. That truly, and we've talked about it before, that sort of full elite athlete. And I'd had some of that with Danny and because Danny was so young and you'd sort of see him coming through and he, he came up through quite a difficult environment, like it was quite hard for him with his racing anyway and a lot of pressure. Then he was on a French team where they all spoke French and it was that was quite difficult. Then a big American team, you know. So I understood that, but he was he was never the dominant character at that point in his story. Yeah. And I'd moved into this where I had my athlete was also my boss, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was all so 
so close. But you walked into that room when they're discussing the, the pad being moved. Yeah. And is that a real dawning moment of like, wow, Huge. this is this is elite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Just raging about yeah. a pad moving yeah. four centimeters. Exactly that. Not even the pad moving. Yeah, the pad that, 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 that yes. it's going to flex four centimeters. Exactly. And was onto it exactly. Knew this had happened. And I'm like, the it's level of detail that these people go into yeah. is way beyond my assumption. Yeah. And it, it it really made me think. You know what, Alan? If you don't know about something, you keep your mouth shut. If in doubt, say now. And a friend of mine said that to me a couple of years later, and I was like, never has a final word been spoken because if you don't understand it, you have no business chiming in. And I'm not saying I'm perfect and I've got myself in bother for replying to group WhatsApp messages where I think someone's talking rubbish, but I don't have the full story. <laughs> you know what it's like, but- All I would say, all I would say is, in G's race run, had that pallet been there, does he crash? Does he clip it and perhaps crash? Did you actually make the difference? And that's the point well, I think you should take from it. Is yeah. Maybe you should say now, yeah. maybe actually on this yeah. occasion you gave G another rainbow jersey yeah. and uh, maybe think of it in that term. Oh no. Or do you approach G first of all? <laughs> You know, maybe that's what you do is you say, gee, I've got this idea. What yeah. do you think? And I've certainly felt as though when it comes to um, with the riders committee now, because it's a, a World Cup committee and I've had some of them, the, the like organising committee ask me my opinion. I've very much gone, you know what? My opinion doesn't matter here. Okay. This is a riders thing. Yeah. When it comes to the safety of the tracks, I'm on a safety committee now at World Cups we will input what we feel and we know that there's going to be backlash yeah. but now you know what that, that was nine nine years ago yeah, yeah. nine years ago I feel in that nine years if I made the same decision again I would back it up and I'd say to G yeah I know but that's it's not for me to decide where someone takes that line, line again you know it's me to make help with the safety aspect maybe I should ask the riders before I ask Vasquez in that instance but yeah, I think it's just a layer. I think when you have these results, sometimes you don't think it's going to go that way. Yeah, and sure. I think that was one of the biggest surprises is if I look back on from like in rose-tinted spectacles on that situation, you could go, hey, we won. I've won men and women. That's as good as you can get. What more can you do? Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, I've done a good job. But how much did I actually play? Did I actually enjoy it? Was it something that I helped or hindered? And... I think that it, it helps check you, like really helps check you if you're getting too big for your boots and going, you know what? Well, these results, you know, these are uh, these huge results where people win world championships and stuff. By Monday, we're looking towards next year already. It goes, it goes so quickly. And uh, really to does. enjoy those moments is, is something that's really, <clears throat> you've got to embrace that minute because uh, that cup of tea, because you know if you what? don't, it, it, it's gone in a flash. <clears throat> and funnily enough, you, you sort of hit the nail on the head because it was following that experience that I really tried to instill in others and voice when we had success that everyone should enjoy the success. Yeah, yeah. Because Rach, was, Rach got onto this tear where she was winning everything. And I think it was in 16, she won everything. Yeah. And it very much became a situation where it was like an expectation. expectation. And I was like, you know what, guys? You know, we... Okay, it's an expectation, but we've bloody done it. But take this individually yeah. and, and seize the like, moment. Can, you know, oh, yeah. however you want to individually celebrate it, I yeah. don't think the Monday morning meeting should be about what went wrong. 
you know, I think it should be about what went right. Yeah. And then we can delve later on, hey, that didn't quite go perfect. We fine-tune but, some stuff. Yeah. Stuff went well. Yeah, yeah. Well, we won't. Exactly. We can just fine-tune yeah. stuff. Yeah. But it all stems, you know, I know the crux of this is about one day, what went into it. And I think ultimately it was, from my point of view, it was a learning about the athlete and understanding when you see G prepare back then, it was like he was going to war. Everyone had to leave. So everyone had to leave the pits. The um, sort of curtains came down. Come down. Yeah. He'd have his headphones on. His mechanic could be left in there and Polish Pete would stay out of the way. Yeah. Pete had an incredible like understanding. They just knew connection, connection yeah. would happen. Yeah, yeah. Pete was also really clever because he would add a click if he thought it would. He, that's the difference. Like Pete would be like, I'm going to add a click of compression yeah. because G's on the limit in practice. And I know he's going to ride faster. Yeah, he's going to live in this but if I'd have said, do you want to add another click? G'd have gone, no, that's perfect setup. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah. And this is where like, I learned again, having these conversations, that understanding of like, Alan, if you don't understand it, yeah. you stay out of it. Yeah, yeah. So when someone asks a question, what, tire should, what pressure should I have on my tires? Sure. You have to get underneath that. They're not asking me what pressure to have on my tires. They're saying I haven't got any grip, trust in their grip. Yeah, yeah. So then you have to go, why has he got no trust in the grip? Is it pressure in his tyres or is it something else? Yeah. Or is it the way he's come around the corner? Is it line choice? Yeah. So I think that helped me go, don't tell him to run 24 PSR. <laughs> That's, right. That's not what, you, you know what I mean? That's not what he's asking or no. she's asking. No. And so you're, yeah. you're, you're, yeah. you're trying to get coach. underneath that layer. Yeah. And so those things, I think that to me was a real big learning experience. And the first of many, I feel as though after every race, I write copious notes on my phone, what went well, what worked, what I did, yeah, yeah. what I didn't do, what I tried to do. And then I try and feed back to the athletes. Like I wasn't feeling very well in Ludenville, for example, and I didn't go in Greg's pit once. Right. But I had to tell him, by the way, the reason I'm not coming in your pit is because I'm not feeling great. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing I want is you yeah. to potentially- I'll give you a swerve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm still gonna provide you everything I'm here to do. Yeah. And I'm going to try and help you understand that situation. But I'd say that for me, that um, half year was that first point where I felt as though I was in this like melting pot, high pressure, expectation to win. It doesn't all go according to plan from everyone's point of view. And at the end of it, you sort of come out the other side and you're like, well, that's actually all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So a huge thank you to our guest today, Alan Milway, showing us today exactly what went into winning that 2014 World Championship title. A reminder that for a coach, it's not just about what goes on in the gym during the winter months, but also at the venues, how he can help his riders to win those elusive titles. And winning both the male and female World Championship titles in 2014 is no mean feat. It's a pretty incredible story and a huge thank you to Alan for his time today. We look forward to welcoming you back to On This Sunday next time, where we'll hear more stories of how people went on to win their championship titles, their gold medals, and get the job done. So thanks for now. See you next time.